Welcome everyone. Thank you for choosing to be with Riverside today. We continue to pray for you and we long for the day that we can be in the same space. Until then, we encourage you to continue to grow in your faith at home and with your family. If you are new or you've recently joined us, we encourage you to have a look at all of our previous content. And if you have children, have a look at our Riverside Kids page. We'd also love to be in contact with you. So as soon as you feel comfortable, won't you head to our website and fill in all your details on our connect button. We're in the middle of our series, Living Upside Down, as we are in strange times. Won't you allow the words of Jesus to challenge your life, religion, and relationship? Here's Pastor Steve with For the Love of Money. Hey everyone, so I'm going to open up and tell you right from the beginning that today we are going to talk about money. Now last week Craig spoke about fasting and if you missed last week's message you really need to get hold of it. But here's the thing about fasting, often people aren't lining up to learn about fasting. Fasting doesn't generate lots of clicks and likes and shares, alright? And so for that reason many people kind of move past fasting. Fasting isn't even a, a controversial subject that generates a lot of debates. But here's the thing. We are, as a church, are going through the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching us what it looks like to follow Him in this world. Now, as we've been doing this, we've been covering a wide range of things, things that many people, even non-Christians included, would say, yeah, that sounds like Jesus kind of stuff. So we've been talking about prayer. We've been talking about loving your enemies. We've been talking about being generous to the poor. We've been talking about anger and lusts. Last week we kind of got to fasting and people see that as a religious thing and many people look at fasting and just want to move past that quite quickly. But it's as if Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to talk about all areas of your life, internal things, um, external things, things that trouble you, things that are going to grow you. And he's going through all of these topics, including something like fasting. And then he gets to today's topic and he says, listen, if you want to follow me, we also need to talk about money. At which point, if you're doing church at home right now, we're so glad you're with us, but it is going to be the easiest thing for in the world for you to lean over and close your laptop or pick up your remote, switch off the TV, make a cup of coffee and go and light the fire outside. Right? Now, I think there are a number of reasons why this topic might lead you to believe that, man, you just want to skip and move on. I think... One reason and one maybe main reason is that every single time you have heard a sermon on money, it's been followed up with some form of, well, here are our church bank details and give, give, give and tithe, tithe, tithe. And you've seen straight through it. And whenever you hear church and money in the same sentence, you get annoyed. And I understand that. Another reason why you may be tempted to skip today's message is just simply, Stephen, this is bad timing. Listen, coronavirus has hit us. People are losing their jobs. The economy is crashing. We don't need a sermon on money. 
And maybe a third reason, there may be more reasons, but maybe a third reason why you may be tempted to move past this message is the reason you shouldn't move past this message. And it is actually the reason why Jesus preached this message. And we're going to see what that is about as we go through today's text and as we try and apply it into our lives. See, maybe the reason why Jesus speaks about money here and in other places is because he knows that probably the biggest competitor for the throne of your heart is money. And so whether you have lots or less or had lots and now have less or the other way around, um, money is so often the biggest competitor for lordship in your life. Now, this is not just an ego context for Jesus because he wants to be first. I mean, he is Lord. And so, yes, he does deserve to be first because he is supreme in all things. However, it's not just about that. Because maybe the reason why Jesus speaks on this so regularly is because he knows that when we put anything other than God on the throne of our hearts, and in this case, money, maybe he knows what it does to us. Maybe he knows what it does to our hearts, what it does to our relationships and our lives and our legacy. And so maybe because Jesus loves us, this is something he wants for you, not from you. So let's see what Jesus has to say. And I really believe that today can be a very powerful lesson for so many of us. So Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 onwards. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's just stop there for now. I think That the biggest thing Jesus is trying to communicate to us in this part of the message is he wants to change our perspective, specifically our perspective with regards to time. So Jesus says something that I think we all know. So in a way, he's reminding us, he's reminding us that things are temporary. Things are temporary. Money, things, cars, possessions, clothes, they can break, they can rust, they can lose their value, they can get stolen. And even if you think you've got everything sorted out and and you are sitting pretty, then coronavirus comes along and messes things up, reminding you that things are temporary. Now, hear me out. I I think we're going to see both here and in some of the other passages we're going to look at is that things and possessions are not necessarily bad, but they are temporary. And so we need to have a perspective shift. And so what Jesus is helping us understand is he's saying, if you put all your energy and time into accruing resources in this life, you have way, way, way too short-term a perspective. So he reminds us things, life is temporary. Things in this life is temporary. And therefore we need to develop a long-term perspective. Now, when Jesus says long-term perspective, he doesn't mean what your financial planner means by long-term perspective. He's not saying plan for the next five years or the next 50 years or even the next 500 years. Jesus is saying we need to plan for the next five billion years. And so he's saying, listen, it makes no sense that if our life 
is to be eternal, it makes no sense to spend all of our time and energy accruing resources for this tiny little bit of our life. And we need to plan ahead here. Now, imagine someone arriving to race in the Indy 500. For those of you who don't know, these are cars that need to go for 500 miles in a race. Now, imagine you arrive there and you've got the necessary tire requirements and and you've got the fuel and you've got the resources and someone looks at what you've got and they say are you ready and you say yes I'm ready and then they say no actually you're not because you've only got enough for the next 10 miles you've got 490 miles to go after that or imagine another scenario COVID-19 hits so you phone up your financial planner and you ask him listen things are going to get tough I just want to know am I okay do I have enough and so your financial planner responds by saying Don't worry, you have plenty, you are going to be okay. And so you just shoot back saying, okay, sure, but but just for how long? We don't know how long this COVID-19 thing is going to last. And so your financial planner says, don't worry, don't stress. You have enough to get it to next week, Thursday. Now, some of you have said, well, Stephen, you have just described my life. Now, what is wrong with these two scenarios? In both of these scenarios... The person has failed to appreciate just how long they need to consider and how long they need to plan for. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to help us understand here. And so he says, while treasures here in this short life are temporary, treasures here are permanent. Now, maybe if you're tracking with me, you're saying, okay, Stephen, okay, I I get you. Treasures on earth, I understand. Treasures on earth, you know, cell phones, technology, food, clothes, fashion, cars, houses, holidays, you know, that I get. But, but treasures in heaven help me understand. So I think to help us understand, I'm going to go to where the Apostle Paul writes to a young pastor of a church, Timothy, and he gives him quite an arduous task. And he says, Timothy, here's what you need to do. And this is found in 1 Timothy 6 verses 17 onwards. Paul says, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world, think this tiny part of our lives, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, just briefly, when God gives us good things in this world, he actually wants us to enjoy some of these good things. I think some of us feel guilty about enjoying some of the pleasure God gives us. But God says, no, 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 listen, I do give you things so that you can enjoy some of these things. However, I want to talk about this word here, arrogance. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. I don't know if you've ever been through a tough financial season or you've spoken to someone who has experienced great financial loss. One of the things that I hear said regularly is something along these lines. You know, that season really humbled me. And so if I say, well, if financial loss humbled you, what did financial gain do for that same attitude? What's the reverse of being humbled? And maybe that is arrogance. So why arrogance? Well, when we put our hope in anything, in this case money, other than God, this thing becomes an idol in our lives. 
Now, Timothy Keller has got a great book called Counterfeit Gods. If you haven't read it, you need to get hold of it. Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller. And in it, he's speaking about the very common idols that are present in our current society. And in that, he says, when we have an idol other than God in our lives, we love them, we trust them, and we obey them. We love them because we think that they can give us affirmation. We trust them because we think that they can give us security. And therefore, we obey them. And so Jesus and Paul in our two passages today are both saying, here's why the love of money is so dangerous. Because you believe that it can promise everything that you want and really need. Love and power and significance and comfort and security and approval. And then when I get a lot of it, meaning a lot of this idol, I think a lot of me. And that makes me arrogance. Now these verses are saying the problem is not having money. The problem is hoping in money. And so Paul and Jesus are trying to correct us here. So Paul says, well, actually, money is so uncertain. And therefore, God is the one who is stable. God is the one who is reliable. God is the one who is trustworthy. And you think your idol money is going to give you everything you need. But actually, God is the one who richly provides everything that you need. So if we read on in those verses, Paul says to Timothy, command them to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Now, here's the connection between this passage and what Jesus was saying earlier. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. All right. Not just this short life, but the coming age, our eternal life, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life so according to this passage how do you accrue treasure in heaven well it is so clear here you accrue treasure in heaven by doing good by being rich in good deeds there is an abundance of good deeds in your life you are generous and you are willing to share now maybe you've heard a sermon along the lines of if you want to accrue treasures in heaven what you need to do is tithe 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 and give 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 now that's maybe another sermon and that might be related to this but that is not what paul is saying to timothy and that is not what jesus is talking about he's saying listen if you want to accrue treasure in heaven what you need to do is your life needs to be rich with the goodness of god in this world So you need to roll up your sleeves and you need to do good things. You need to be rich and abundant in good deeds. You're going to be involved in your community. You're going to serve the poor. You're going to be involved in the people around you. And because you have this investment in the kingdom of God, as you see needs and come across them, you are going to be generous and willing to share and make a difference. And so when people think about you, this kind of a person, the first thing they're going to think of is not, oh, that's a rich person. The first thing they're going to think of is, oh, that's a good person. That's a person who's got a great, generous heart, not just with their resources, with their time and their energy and with their love and with their faith. And so that's how the scriptures define storing up riches in heaven so as we get back to the sermon on the mount this is why jesus ends off these few verses by saying listen you just need to look where your treasure is and if you look where your treasure is you will find your hearts 
And so one way to find where your treasure lies is to follow the money trail. And then you'll find your heart. So if your ultimate treasure is your hobby, just follow the EFT and the EFTs and just follow the cash slips and just follow, you know, where the money goes and you will find your heart there. Or if your ultimate treasure is looking good, just look at all the clothing slips and everything else that you do in order to idolize yourself and you'll find your heart is there too. But if your treasure is the kingdom, You'll find your heart there. But why? Why does it work that way? Well, well, here's the thing. We care deeply about what we invest in. We care deeply about what we invest in. Think about if you had to buy some shares in a company. Maybe a company you haven't thought about twice until you decided to invest in them. So you decide to invest in them. You put a whole lot of money in them. What are you doing? Now from that point onwards, twice a day, you're seeing how the company is performing. Therefore, you're seeing how your shares are doing. Why? Because you care deeply about their performance because of your investments. And so when we invest ourselves in the kingdom, And if we try and understand investment in the way that Paul is talking to Pastor Timothy about the rich people in their church. Investment looks like being rich in good deeds. Investment looks like caring for the poor. Investment looks like being generous. Investment looks like being willing to share. When I invest myself in the kingdom of God, I'm going to see this trail of investment and my heart is going to be there too. Now, Jesus is not done. We've got a few more verses to look at. So let's read on from verse 22, where Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, If you had to just take out those two verses and just put them on a card and try and understand what they mean, you will get confused. Now, if you're like, no, 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 I won't get confused. Commentators get confused about these verses. But here's, as I was studying these verses, here's what came out from the commentators. The question is, was Jesus talking about our money and our heart? And is he now talking about something else? Or is he still talking about money and our heart? And the answer is yes. Because he actually bookends this section on our eyes and our heart with continuing to talk about money and our heart. Therefore, this can only be understood in the context of the verses we've just read and the verses we're going to read. And so briefly, just what's going on in these verses is Jesus is developing the connection between our eye and our heart. Our eye and our heart. One of the commentaries that I was reading said this when the eye focuses on something of value it becomes a conduit that fills the heart with what has been focused upon think about that so if your eye is focused on good things and life-giving things and and things that actually provide you with with faith and life and goodness and enjoyment your heart will become filled with faith and life and goodness and enjoyment. But if your eye is bad, in other words, if your eye is focused on idols and things that actually rob you, we should not be surprised if our hearts become deprived and if our hearts become dark. I've heard some pastors put it this way. They say, you become what you worship. In other words, whatever we focus our eyes on, we are going to be transformed into the likeness thereof. 
So if we focus our worship and our heart on, again, good things in our particular case as Christians, on the goodness and the love and grace of Jesus, we will be transformed. As the eye becomes a conduit to our hearts, we will be transformed into his likeness. However, if we worship things that rob us of life, we will be transformed into that thing that we have worshipped as an idol in our lives. And this is why it is so important what you place at the point of primacy in your life. Now let's read the last verse from the Sermon on the Mount today in verse 24 where Jesus says, and he concludes, No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so Jesus is just developing his argument, bringing it to a conclusion, basically saying, well, you know, whatever you point at the, whatever you place at the point of primacy in your life, you, it's going to change you. You're going to become more like it to the point where, and this is what verse 24 is about. You will begin not just worshiping it, but serving it. This word serve is actually you become its slave. And this is the real danger of idolatry. I mentioned earlier that Timothy Keller in his book, Counterfeit Gods, he said, when we have idols in our lives, we love them and we trust them. And that leads us to verse 24. We serve them. We love them and we trust them. Therefore, we serve them. You see, when we believe that our idol is what gives me meaning and significance and security and purpose, the only choice for me is to become its slave. And and so this is how it works. So I feel devoid of something. I wake up in the morning and for whatever reason, I feel empty. So what do I do? I believe that I get love and security and affirmation and everything that I need from my idol. So I go to my idol that actually works itself out, not just in desires in my heart, but in what I do. So for some of us, that means clicking because we have different idols in our life. We go and click on something and we look at something we shouldn't online. Or we go and we check our bank accounts. Or we go shopping because I believe that my idol is going to give me what I need. Or I have a bad day at work. Or I have you know, a bit of a tough time in a relationship, either at work or with my family, with my spouse. So what do I do? Oh, my idol is going to give me what I need. So I go to my idol and as I do that, I become its slave. My behavior is literally transformed. And this is why. God is less interested about getting money out of your pocket than he is about getting idols out of your hearts. This is why this is such a core discipleship issue for Jesus. Guys, here's the deal. I mean, we actually spoke on money a couple of weeks ago in the context of being generous to the poor. But if I had to speak about money as often as Jesus did, which would amount to about one in every three weeks, I would probably be chased out of the church. But for Jesus, again, this is not about getting money out of you. This is about your hearts. And he knows the danger of having false idols occupying the place of primacy in our hearts. So for him, this is such a discipleship issue. Such a core heart issue. I heard one pastor say, and I, and I tend to agree with him. He said, listen, if someone had to come <laughs> and, you know, if, if someone had to come and just say, listen, pastor, I, I am willing to cover every single cost of ministry. Whatever the church needs, whatever the church wants, I will sign that check at the end of every single month. This pastor said, you know, if someone had to do that, I would still preach on these passages. Why? 
Because it's not about the budget. It's about our hearts. I'm hoping that you see that the Bible is not into the prosperity gospel, which somehow equates wealth with holiness. Neither is the Bible into the poverty gospel, which equates being poor with holiness. Rather, the Bible is into the gospel of grace, where we come to Christ and I've got nothing to offer. Even my best works and even my biggest bank accounts, God looks at and is like, I've got plenty of both. I've got plenty of righteousness and I've got plenty of things. I speak and things coming into being. And so we actually come to God. It doesn't matter who you are, empty-handed. And then God gives so richly and with such abundance. And he gives us himself and he gives us life and eternal life. And so I want to end off with why having Jesus at the point of primacy is the best idea in the world. So I want to end off by asking you a question. Regardless of your idol, and in this case we're talking about the idol of money. When has your idol ever sacrificed itself for you? When has your idol ever served you? Now maybe it's given you some temporary pleasure. But if you had to go back and evaluate your relationship to your idol, whatever it is, you will find out that you go back to it time and time again. And you are discovering at some conscious level or some unconscious level, you're discovering that your idol is over promising and under delivering and you are actually serving it and you are sacrificing for it every single time. But when we come before Jesus and we actually place him at the rightful position of lordship in our lives, we discover a God who gives. We discover a God who sacrificed himself for us. We discover a God who served us. We discover a God who lifts us up and gives us more life. And this is why, even in the topic of money, this is something that Jesus wants for you, not from you. And so we're going to spend some time in prayer. And and I want to encourage you, again, not to just skip past this section too quickly. I want to encourage you to allow God to search your heart. And these questions are going to prompt us to bring our hearts before God and to place Him again at the rightful place of Lordship in our lives so that we can experience life and goodness from Him. We hope you've enjoyed this message and allow it to challenge you throughout the week. Won't you connect with us on all of our social media platforms and have a great week.